Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast for developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported, so it help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their relationship. Consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. Also, be sure to call me at 720-307-7347 and leave a message with your marriage question, and I'll be sure to respond to it on the next Marriage Steps podcast. Quick announcement is I'm doing my next Total Marriage Refresh seminar online coming up July 24th and July 25th. It's all through Zoom. It's two nights. It's around three hours each night. It's all individual, so there's no group sharing. It's just you and your partner through the screen, learning how to have a good marriage. And so there's six sessions. I go through the six marriage steps. Each one's around 45 minutes of me doing a presentation, followed by 30 minutes of you and your partner by yourself applying what was just discussed. So if you haven't been through my seminar, I highly encourage it because you will receive tools and training on how to have a good relationship. You've probably gone through years and years of training on how to have a good career, So it might be time for you to have training on how to have a good relationship. The marriage tip of the night is learn how to apologize effectively. When was the last time your partner was upset with you? Maybe you did something that hurt their feelings. Maybe you didn't meet their needs. It's common. It happens all the time in marriage. How we respond to it is critical. So you have two choices. The one choice when your partner highlights something that you did wrong, something they're upset about, is you can get defensive. Being defensive means you blame everything else. You blame your partner that you did it. You blame the dog that you did it. You blame your upbringing that you did it. You blame everything else, but you don't take ownership yourself. And when your partner's upset, think about them having an emotional wound. So when you get defensive, it's like putting salt in their wound. In contrast, the second option is empathize and apologize. That's the second option. So if your partner has a wound, an emotional wound, because you've done something that hurt their feelings, the best thing you can do is empathize and apologize. So empathy, as a reminder, is I can see how you would feel blank because of blank, or it makes sense that you'd feel this because of that. That's empathy. So for example, I can see how it would have hurt your feelings that I haven't spent much time with you over the past week, and I can see how that would make you feel distant with me, and I'm really sorry. That's empathy and an apology, okay? That's how you do it. And when you apologize in that way and you empathize in that way, it helps erase the wound. So as a reminder with empathy, it's not if you agree with your partner. It's not if you would feel the same thing as your partner. Instead, empathy is putting yourself in their shoes, considering all the things that make up who they are. So their childhood, their childhood wounds, their childhood values, their adulthood values, their adulthood wounds, their insecurities, their strengths, their marital needs, their temperament. When you consider all those variables, it'll start to make sense why what happened made them feel the way that it did. And that's where that authentic empathy can flow out of. It makes sense that you would have been hurt that I didn't spend more time talking with you last night. I can see how that would have cut your nose off, and I'm sorry. 
Okay, something like that can really go a long way. The marriage joke of the day is marriage is similar to eating at a restaurant. You look at the menu, you order what you want, but as soon as you see what someone else has, you wish you would have ordered what they have. Maybe some of you have felt that. It's easy to compare and to feel discontent in our marriage. But one of the goals of marriage is to cultivate contentment with our partner, to intentionally look for the good. Okay, the marriage message of the day is I'm gonna go through four steps to de-flooding. Conflicts is probably one of the most common areas that couples need help with. When I start working with a couple in my private practice, one of the top things they say is we need help with conflicts. We get ugly in conflicts. This is very common. We don't have to be taught how to be ugly in conflicts. And you see it in kids. I have four kids. And when they get upset, they get ugly really quickly. They call names. They be, they're rude. They can get belligerent. And it's ugly. And we didn't have to teach them how to be like that. And a lot of times, we don't outgrow that because we haven't been trained in adulthood on how to handle conflicts properly. So we all need help with this. And research shows how you handle conflicts is a big predictor on if you will get a divorce. Because when we have conflicts and if we handle them poorly, that's gonna jeopardize our relationship because that's when a lot of damage is done. So what do you do in your conflicts? You probably either get critical or you get defensive or you get contemptuous or you stonewall. That's called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, according to John Gottman. And those four, the more those four happen, the higher your likelihood for divorce. And so we all need to learn how to handle ourselves better in conflict so we're not jeopardizing our relationship. So I teach something called the floor method. You can go to my website and look at the article for the floor method. The first step of the floor method is called deflood. So I'm just gonna spend the rest of this, this episode talking about how to deflood, what that means, because it's a critical first step. So what deflood means is recognizing you're flooded. When we get upset in our marriage, we get flooded. We lose our mind. Our body goes into fight or flight, and that means all of your blood flow goes to your core. So your blood is not in your head anymore. It's down in your core because your body is ready for fight or flight. Now fight means we raise our voice and we get bigger and we get louder and we get more aggressive verbally. Flight means we shut down and we stonewall and we walk away. And both, all of us do one or the other, sometimes a little bit of both. We can sometimes fight, sometimes we flight. But that is the worst time to have a conversation because you're not in your right mind. Your blood flow is to your core. That's why you say things that are exaggerated or you say things you can't remember because you're flooded. So a first step is to have an agreement with your partner that if either of us get flooded, we're gonna call timeout. And we're just gonna say the word flooded and that's our keyword. So if I feel like I'm getting flooded or if you're getting flooded, we agree that we can say the word flooded and that means we're gonna take a time out. Because a lot of times when a couple is in an argument, one partner is pursuing, the other partner is withdrawing. And then you get a pursuer withdrawal cycle going and it goes nowhere. So what are your signs when you get flooded? You have to learn your signals. What does your body do to tell you you're getting flooded? For some of us, we start tingling. Like we have a tingling sensation in our, in our head. It's like hard to think straight. Other people get sweaty, so the palms of their hands get sweaty. 
Other people, they can feel their heart beating out of their chest. Other people, they may have a knot in their stomach. You gotta learn your signals. So if you get into that fight or flight posture, you know you can say the word flooded and you both agree it's time to take a time out because this is not gonna be constructive. So during the timeout, I'm gonna go through four things to do during that timeout period. Now, that timeout period, it should last no less than 20 minutes and no more than 24 hours. You need at least 20 minutes to get out of the flooded zone. It's gonna take at least 20 minutes to lower your heart rate and to get out of feeling flooded. But you don't wanna go longer than 24 hours because your partner may deflood in an hour And if they have to wait for you for more than 24 hours, that can feel like eternity before resolving the conflict. So that's why you have to have an upper cap of no more than 24 hours. And even 24 can feel like a long time. So no less than 20 minutes, no longer than 24 hours. Because you need to reach a time when you both are relaxed and you come back and talk through the conflict. Now, number one thing to do during that break is lower your heart rate. And that's gonna be different for each person. Some of us, we need to lower our heart rate by taking a nap. Others of us, maybe we need to go for a run. Others of us, maybe we need to take a hot shower. Maybe we need to listen to music. Maybe we need to read something. Do whatever it takes to lower your heart rate. You have to be intentional during this break. A lot of times when we're upset, if we do take a break, we're not intentional. We just stew and we ruminate about how horrible our partner is and we get all upset and we fester. And that is not constructive. And you really can't do anything constructive until you lower your heart rate. So first thing to do during the break is find some self-care activities that lowers your heart rate because then the blood flow will go back to your brain. You'll be able to think more rationally and then you can do the next steps I'm gonna talk about. So the second thing to do once you're deflooded during this break and you're apart from each other is you want to write down the conflict from your perspective and then write it down from your partner's perspective. So what did you feel and why? And if you were your partner, what did they feel and why? That's a really interesting intervention because what it does is it takes you out of your perspective. It takes you out of your worldview. It takes you out of your shoes and forces you to see the conflict from your partner's perspective and your partner's worldview and what triggers your partner. So it will help you have more empathy because it forces you to see the situation from your side and their side. The second or the third thing to do is you wanna focus on what was your part? How did you just contribute to this conflict? Most likely you are not 100% innocent. That's very rare. Perhaps you had an edge in your tone or perhaps you got defensive, or perhaps you threw out a name, or perhaps you threatened the security of the relationship by throwing out, you're gonna leave. What did you do in the conflict that made it worse? You wanna take ownership for your part, even if it was 5%, or maybe it was 30%, or maybe it was more. But most likely, you're not innocent. You probably did something that led up to the conflict and probably made the conflict worse. So you wanna take ownership and identify your part. The fourth thing to do during this de-flood time is you wanna uncover what were, what's your core values or needs underneath this conflict. It's not about how you didn't spend time together. It's not about how you didn't say hi when you came home. It's not about 
how you didn't ask their opinion. What it's about is something underneath that. It's tapping into a core value for you. That's why you're getting flooded. It's tapping into a core need for you. That's why you're getting so upset. So you wanna be able to identify what is that core value or need. Some common ones can include, I need to feel like I have a voice. I need to feel heard. I need to feel like we're sharing power. Another one can be, I need to feel wanted. I need to feel like you desire me, like you wanna be with me and that you're pursuing me. Another one can be, I wanna feel like I'm respected and that I'm viewed as your equal. Another one can be, I wanna feel like we're teammates and that you we have each other's back and that we're a unified front. So these core values and needs, they can be all sorts of different things. And most likely, they're gonna stem from your upbringing. They're gonna stem from values you were raised with or values you never received growing up, but you always wished you had it. So it's gonna be one or the other. But that's important because so many times we get lost in the weeds when it comes to conflict. We get lost in who said what and who did what. But underneath that are these core needs and values that need to be articulated. Because I'm gonna learn how to compromise with you much more effectively if I know the core values and needs underneath this conflict we're having and vice versa. So the next time you start having a conflict, Remember, the first step to the floor method is D-flood. And have a code word and just say the word flooded so you know to take a break. And then you have to take 20 minutes up to 24 hour break until you're both relaxed. And then you come back and do the rest of the floor method. And during that break, number one is lower your heart rate. Number two is write down the conflicts from your perspective and their perspective. Number three, focus on what is your part, how did you contribute to the conflict or make it worse. And number four, try to identify your value or core need underneath the conflict. Thank you for listening to the Mayor Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, please click the five stars and leave a review. For more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if this podcast has helped your relationship, I would love to hear from you. So please send me an email at info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. So if you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. But if you neglect it, it will suffer and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.